Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 78. We're going in a different tangent this week and we're going off-road, um, different kind of trail. And to help us with that, we've brought in Alex Garner from Intense Off-Road. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for having me, boys. It's good to have you on. So we both, Donovan and I, follow Alex's YouTube channel um, quite a little. I've followed it probably since the early days. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of just fantastic content up there, just off-roading, various trips. Um, Jake, who we had on for our Mundabiddy um, episode, has put his series up there. It's it's a great yeah. resource for WA um, trail users, especially those looking to get off-road. Yeah, definitely. So, yes, we've brought Alex in to talk about the Gib River Road. So you just want to give us a bit of a rundown of what is the Gib River Road and kind of what is the distances and, you know, rough locations. Yeah, sure. Well, it roughly runs from Derby to Kananurra. Uh It's a stock trail, so it was actually formed in the 1960s um, for truck haulage hauling cattle out to Derby primarily, I believe it was. Um, it's mostly corrugated, unpaved road, um, apart from a little stretch through to, through to Derby. And I believe it ranges about 700 kilometres. That's just from uh, one end of the tarmac to the other. Um, that's not including all the little offshoots you'd want to do, um, going out to the gorges and station stays and that sort of thing. Yeah. And in terms of its location, where is that positioned compared to the highways that are sealed? Oh, yeah, area? of course. Um, so very top northern Australia. Um, I forget what the highway is that runs beneath it, but it goes through Halls Creek, Fitzroy Crossing. So you've got coming down lower, it swings around from Kununurra, uh, Halls Creek, Fitzroy Crossing up to Derby, and the Gib River Road almost shortcuts that loop okay. a bit closer up towards the coast. Yeah, pops out near Wyndham, and obviously not the uh, as a direct route. It's probably not the quickest route. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, Which especially is... depending what uh, vehicle you've got and how well equipped you are. Yeah. yeah, it could take you a while if you go up there in an old Corolla or something. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so it's the more direct scenic route, but that's kind of the point of it is people, you can range your itinerary depending on what you want to do and you're there to see the sights. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there is a lot to see through there. Yeah. All right, so I guess we'll start with an itinerary and kind of running through where we can go and then later on we'll get into um, the specifics of the vehicle you need and logistics and everything. So leaving Derby, um, where was the first stop that you had on your week-long trip? Oh, it was camped out at Winjana Gorge. Um, that's a beautiful little spot. You, you wouldn't want to miss that. Uh, Winjana Gorge and then a little bit further to the south there, uh, Tunnel Creek two excellent places to to check out uh, especially if you're into hiking uh, Winjana Gorge is pretty spectacular full of freshwater crocs you'll see like 50 freshwater crocs through there <laughs> um, kingfishers uh, we saw bats in the daylight just roosting in a tree uh, plenty of caves through there and lots of history it was quite the frontier in the late 1800s through there um, with the aboriginal Banuba tribe uh, there's a good story there about a fella called Jandamurra, mm. um, known to the white fella as Pigeon, and he holed out at Tunnel Creek in there. So there's a lot to see there. We just did an overnight camp. Could probably do more. Depends on how much you like to chill out. Mm. And I guess some people can be a bit apprehensive about crocodiles, and 
I guess here's a, a good point to make is that freshwater and saltwater crocodiles are quite different. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, freshies aren't well known for attacking people, um, whereas the saltwater ones are. Mm. So most of the places through the Gib River Road, you're able to swim. Um, very little chance of crocodiles. I still wouldn't want to swim amongst 50 freshwater crocodiles. <laughs> but uh, as long as you're not down in a tidal river, um, and most of these places you're swimming, you're up above waterfalls, so you don't get the big saltwater crocodiles. Mm. Yeah. And what's the first day like in terms of road quality and distances to get out to Winjana Gorge? Oh, it's, it's really easy. It's no more than a couple of hours to Winjana Gorge. Um, it's paved to about the turnoff for Winjana, and I do recall the road into Winjana being horrific. So getting on that for the first time, I was like, oh, this vehicle's going to fall to pieces. <laughs> Is that the corrugations or ruts? or like what's The corrugations, the, yeah. yeah, it just shakes everything to bits. So um, let down your tyres a little bit, that helps, that helps mm. some. Mm. and try and maintain an even speed. Sometimes if you go really slow, it's just as rough or worse. Uh, if you go really fast, it's terrible. But if you can get the right speed, you sort of just glide over the top of them. Mm. To an extent, I, I couldn't find a happy medium on those <laughs> ones. Yeah. And I remember driving around Fitzgerald River with um, another guy, and we're in this you know, land cruiser, built tough, and he was going about 20 k's an hour on this corrugated road. I'm like, just speed up, speed up. He's like, no, can you feel the shaking? I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you go faster, it'll it'll you know make it a lot better. But yeah. Yeah, I guess you got to pick that speed, as you say. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. So on from Winjana Gorge, it's off to Bell Gorge, and it's kind of a theme is you're going to see a lot of gorges through yeah. here just with the, the nature of the landscape. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're out there for gorges, waterfalls, and wildlife, I suppose. Mm. Uh, Bell Gorge was one of my favourites. Nice little walk in there. Um, I think that one's deep ore operated. Um, so that's a, a hint you'll want. Um, if you're going out there, a lot of national park areas, get yourself a national parks pass because otherwise you're paying $10 a day, might be a little bit more. Mm. And when mm. you're out there for a while, you're better off buying a, a two-month or an annual pass mm. yeah. to get around some of the parks. I mean, at the moment, I think they're cheap as chips, but I think the price is going to go up significantly very soon. But yeah. it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Like we've, we've got the RAC discount and you know, you know it pays for itself within like two or three visits really. You know, yeah, like it's it's not a big deal, and yeah, even right. yes, it will be more expensive. But if you're going to a lot of places, you'll you'll definitely make it worth your money. Yep. Mm. And Bell Gorge, Bell Gorge actually looks quite spectacular because there's a waterfall there and a swimming hole you can mm, yeah have a dip in. It's one of the uh, the nicer waterfalls, especially towards that western end. Um, that's quite accessible. You've got uh, Mitchell Falls a bit further up, mm. uh, which is quite rough to get into. So if you're not fully equipped with a uh, well-built-out vehicle and all the spares and mechanical knowledge, then Bell Gorge is uh, going to be one of the easier ones. Mm. And where did you camp this night? Was it at the Silent Grove campsite? You know what, that I can't quite recall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are quite a few options along the gib whether you want to stay at homesteads or campsites, mm. so I guess it's really up to the user and how they plan their itinerary. Yeah, I I do recall it being a station stay that night. Um, I couldn't tell you which one it was. Could it be Mount Hart Homestead? Yeah, <laughs> rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm quite interested in doing it. I'm just going off one of the, the guides that I found online. So yep. yeah, the, looks like there's a fair few options um, yeah. each day. There is plenty out there. The station stays are really nice. 
Um, that's going to be most of your options. Unlike a lot of other areas in Australia, there's uh, free camping uh, or just areas that are crown land you can pull up and make a camp, but all of the land through that Gibb River section is either um, Aboriginal land, um, stock country or depot owned. Mm. So, yeah, you'll be paying someone here, there or wherever you stay mm. stay I find, on their land. I found that to be something that when you look online makes it a bit difficult to kind of arrange because like if you look at somewhere like say you know tasmania with their wilderness it's all just national parks land mm, yeah. to manage but because this is managed by several different people sometimes the information is not all together in the one place because it looks like there's not that many national parks if you or natural features if you look just at the like parks and wildlife website yeah because some of them are on station stays and things like that yeah yeah you're exactly right there it's not all in one spot you gotta you gotta dig and and work for your um for your information for this one don't you mm. Mm. i guess that's half the fun is like planning where you want to stay you're not set by a, a route of yet to get here by a certain time you can go longer go shorter stay yeah. at one place for a longer time yeah that's probably worth noting we didn't book a single thing when we did it we sort of hopped our way around and didn't have any trouble getting in the station stays. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I doubt it's going to be like, um, you know, Margaret River <laughs> during school holidays up there. <laughs> yeah, There's a lot of effort to get up there and, and plan this. Um, so from Bell Gorge um, on to Manning Gorge via, is it Galvin's Gorge? There's quite a few in there that you can <laughs> visit. Yeah. yeah, I don't recall visiting um, Galvin's Gorge, but Manning Gorge I do. Yeah. yeah. That was a that was a pretty nice one. Um, nice walk in through there. You sort of hop over the river a few times, and then come into the main waterfall area. Mm. And what are the roads like for like these these middle days? Um, is it it's, fairly rough and technical, or is it just mainly heavy corrugation? It's a it's mainly heavy corrugation. It's a well looked after road because uh, trucks go through there for um, stock transport still. Yeah. So you don't end up doing slow four wheel driving. Um, You'll be moving along at 100 k's an hour a lot of the time, um, and it all depends on the time of year you go. So if you're early in the dry season, um, they would have graded the road for the first time, yeah. and so you're in pretty lucky. Um, if you're heading there probably after winter, what is it, July school holidays, yeah. you might start finding it a bit rougher then. Mm. It's the corrugations that get people, and um, especially those towing vans. They recommend you don't tow a caravan through there. And... Uh, Staying in, we stayed in Broome for about three days before heading through there, and you see all the people that come through from the Gib coming the other way. All their little horror stories. Oh, you're going to lose bits off your car, and yeah, yeah. So everyone's got a different story. They told us that story three days later. I didn't find it much of an issue. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't imagine towing a caravan through something like that. It would just everything rattling around would just annoy me, oh, despite yeah. how beautiful it would be at the end of each day. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. So from Manning Gorge is the side trip to Mitchell Falls. Mm -hmm. um, what can you tell us a bit about that road and you know what that journey is like? Yeah, so uh, rough as guts. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were probably 10 kilometers down there and found a vehicle pulled over with a snap shock absorber. <laughs> wow. it's, um, it's known for being, being quite rough. I think that is owing to the fact that it's not the actual stock route. It's not the Gibb River Road anymore. Mm. This is the road that services um, Columbaroo, which is the community up on the coast up there. 
and then Mitchell Falls is the shoot off to that. So slower going, um, still not technical, just rough. I'd probably liken it to heading into Winjana Gorge that first day. Yeah. It's that yeah. whole, yeah, an offshoot of um, of the Gibb River Road, a bit less serviced, pretty rough. Mm. Is a high clearance required? No, not particularly high clearance. Um, just a rugged vehicle, well-maintained, mm. good tyres, and slower going, dropping your tyre pressures to minimise damage and wear and tear on your vehicle. Mm. Yeah. So obviously being an offshoot, do you think it is worth it? Because um, you can spend up to a couple of days doing the trip out to Mitchell Falls, which yeah. they do heavily advertise in their kind of, you know, Kimberley advertising as, you know, a very special spot and it looks fantastic. Mm. Would you recommend the side trip out there? If you're taking the time and you really want to see it all, then absolutely. Um, but I think... Well, look, you're going to get gorged out after a while. <laughs> um, you know, if you, and if you're packing it all into a week trip like I am and you're seeing, you end up seeing three gorges in a day, they all start to look a bit the same. Mm-hmm. But if you're going a bit more relaxed uh, and you've got the time and you really want to see it all, then I'd say it's worth a trip up there. And it is pretty spectacular. Mm. I know that they sort of promoted heavily for the helicopter tour that you can do. Yeah. Um, but as hikers, you know, we would probably like to get amongst it rather than just be yeah. flying in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They do have an option where you can hike up and then the helicopter gives you a lift back or okay. vice versa. Okay. So if you're not a full-blown hiker or your knees blow out on the downhills or whatever, yeah. um, then that might be a pretty good option. And you get a good range of sights then. Mm. You get the hike on the ground to see it all close up and then you see it uh, from the air and get the full vast expanse of it. It's probably a good best of both worlds approach, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Did you take the helicopter or did no, you just did drive not, there? No. <laughs> Fun, funds did not extend that far. <laughs> it's not a cheap experience. But no. um, again, for a lot of people, if you're heading up this way, you're spending the time, you might be taking the money with you to, to do it right and really get the most out of it. And I guess for a lot of people who maybe aren't West Australians, it might be a once in a lifetime trip. Yes. So in that case, you go, well, yes, it's very expensive, but I may never come back here again. So I'll just take the, you know, take all the experiences I can. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I would have that same mentality if uh, if I wasn't West Australian, if mm. I was making that big trip. Yeah. So on from Mitchell Falls, you're heading towards the, I'm going to say Cockburn Range because I always do, but it's probably <laughs> the Coburn Range. <laughs> yeah. Um, and is this sort of the changing of the landscapes towards the more mountainy interior um, on the Gibb River Road? Yeah, so the the Cockburn Range, <laughs> um, I think that's the one that's the famous backdrop with the Pentecost River running through the middle. Mm. Um, and if you've seen the movie Australia, it's quite that's where a lot of that was filmed there okay, with the big okay. red rugged ranges. I'll have to go back and look that. Look at that. It's, I enjoy that. If you go and have a look <laughs> yeah. in our in our bathroom, the yeah. calendar is on the Pentecost River. Oh, yeah. So for yeah. real Trail Talk listeners, invite yourself over to Donovan's <laughs> yeah. and ask to use the bathroom. Just hang out in there. <laughs> I saw it today and went, oh, that's that's rather, you know, rather apropos that yeah. we're talking about this today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after a lot of gorges, is it nice to see kind of a, a nice mountain range and a few more rivers? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a nice river crossing, the Pentecost as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's actually, don't quote me on this, but I think there's some free camping along that river. It's one of the only spots where you can where you can do it. Yeah, mm. uh, It's a long river crossing. Um, good firm base on it, so you'd 
you probably do want a high clearance four wheel drive for it. It all depends on the time of year you're there as well. Mm. Snorkels recommended as well. Um, for me, it was no deeper than knee deep at the worst. Mm. So okay. most vehicles would do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's cattle trucks coming across it and all sorts. It's, we sat there and had an afternoon tea and just watched everyone coming back and forth and taking yeah. pictures for for a while at that one. Yeah. It's, it's a very scenic place. And then when we did do the crossing, we went across and then came back and across again just <laughs> <laughs> taking pictures. And yeah. Yeah, it was a good good bit of fun, that. Yeah, good way to clean the bottom of the car. So <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to stay clean. So, so not a like, super difficult crossing if if you time it right. Mm-hmm. I guess at some times of the year it would be impossible. Yeah. And, that would be very dangerous to cross at that time. Yeah, and I think they wouldn't open the road mm-hmm. at those times um, because they do. It varies from season to season how the wet season's been, how chopped up the road is, if they've been able to grade it yet. Mm. Um, so it varies as to when it opens. I don't think they'd open it if it was too deep, or else um, they'd be trying to rescue backpackers in wicked vans every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And what's the communication like on the track? Like, do you talk to people going the other way to see what the conditions are like? Is there people that you speak to at various homesteads that have the information? Honestly, um, you'd you'd probably want to have a UHF radio in your vehicle just to talk to other road users, which mm. is um, UHF channel forty would be your road channel. Yeah. But you pick up most of your, your information in the campground. Everyone has a chat in the evening whether it's uh, standing in a queue for a, for a shower, talking about where you've been and what the conditions are, yeah. um, pulling into a homestead. So, yeah, most of that up-to-date exchange just happens face-to-face on the track, which is a nice experience for the whole thing. You're mm. all kind of in this together, experiencing it, and yeah. it's a good way to do it. And what's the sort of main demographic that you find at these sort of campgrounds who are doing this trip? It's actually quite varied. Mm. Um, you do see the older people getting down in the gorges a bit. Um, not so much, I suppose. It's, uh, it can be a bit hard going. Mm. Um, and also because you can't take the big vans down there. Mm. There were a few backpackers, um, things like old Mitsubishi Pajeros. Um, I very clearly remember the roof rack loaded probably a metre above the vehicle with an old shopping trolley on the roof. And <laughs> <laughs> all the stuff they carry, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but I'd say it's a pretty wide demographic, a little less travelled by the older older crew that can't take the caravans out there. But mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of people taking their kids out of there, out of school. Yeah, it sounds like a great place to spend July school holidays, giving mm. the kids that proper education. Yeah, absolutely. The country, yeah. yeah, that's um, that's how I grew up, and that's why I'm here today. Mm. <laughs> Just couldn't stop. So. Onwards from from the Cockburn Range. <laughs> As someone who grew up in Coburn, the suburb, I'll say that's not the name. <laughs> um, so next after that is, I guess, Home Valley Station and the most famous park, El Cuestro. Yeah. Um, and did you go to Home Valley? Home Valley we didn't pull into. Um, it would have been a time of the day thing. Mm. Um, we'd come from the Pentecost and it's like, oh, let's just push on past that one. Mm. And because um, El Cuestro is the one that's known for a lot of the famous locations. Yeah. Mm. So that's where we would have pushed on to. Did the budget extend to a full-blown uh, stay at the, the wilderness <laughs> place there? <laughs> yeah, definitely not. It's one of the few six-star um, accommodations in Australia, right? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. noticed that there it's like either fairly 
you know, reasonable tent camping or extremely expensive accommodation camp, like, stay. Like yeah. That, that, that's the only options. There's no middle ground there. Yeah, it's... Um, they've actually destocked most of their land. There's not as much cattle going on in there anymore. It's mm. all for, for tourism. Mm. Um, they've got some more private campsites. I think you have to book along the edge of the water. And then they've got something that's a bit more like a, a caravan park, everyone pulling into a more open space. Because mm. yeah. when I think of El Cuestra, I think of like the top of the range resort. So it's nice to know that there is camping there for everyone to, to enjoy it. Yeah. Mm. And at El, well, sorry. And yeah. at El Cuestra, there's actually quite a lot to see, isn't there? There's various walks and you've got Emma Gorge there, which yeah. looks quite nice in the photos. I would say... Um, if you're not up to like taking on the whole Gibb River Road and you just wanted to get a, a sample of the area, that would be the one place you'd go for it. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. it is it is as great as people say? Yeah, it's it's just got a bit of everything. It's got lots of gorges, uh, lots of hikes. Uh, it's got some quite challenging four-wheel drive tracks out there, um, ridgeline trails and spectacular mm. views. Mm. Um, it's got the Zebedee Hot Spring, I think that's the only hot spring in the area. I've not seen a mention of another one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because you think the land is quite ancient now. They're like billions of years old. It would be unlikely that a uh, you know, plume of magma would yeah. penetrate that all these years later. Yeah, yeah there it is. Mm. Um, it's, it's quite a popular place, though. Mm. Uh, it, was, it wasn't too bad when we were there, but I've read of others having the experience of you got to get into the, the hot spring early because they only let so many people in there, so you got to mm. be up at the crack of dawn. And mm. That seems to be the hot tip. Get up early, get out there at sunrise, see the things you want to see, and then chill out in the afternoon back at camp. Yeah. Is that, I guess, I mean, that's something that I found, generally speaking, up north, like it, because of how hot it is. Is that something that, I mean, beyond the people, is that something that people should be considering, I guess, as well, that... You know, if you're traveling up there, that you need to consider time of day, temperature, that sort of thing. You should be quite okay for that time of year. Um, yep. May, June would be my pick of the months to go. And you look in oh, maybe high 20s to low 30s as your normal okay. daytime temperature. So, yeah, so not, not deadly temperatures. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a cool Perth summer's day. Like most of us yeah. would be yeah. quite accustomed to it. Yeah. If you've come from Tasmania, it might be a little different. <laughs> and the further you get inland, so around El Cuestro, the nights, would they get quite cool being so far inland? I don't recall freezing to death at night <laughs> out there. Um, I suppose it would, yeah, distance from the coast. But no, that wasn't our experience. Nice. Mm. And I guess that's something that's, I guess, worth mentioning is that it is a different experience up that far north compared to, say, the Pilbara, which is more of a of an arid climate. Like, it gets more tropical mm. towards the north. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the wet season, uh, you'll be sweating buckets, <laughs> <laughs> have a shower, try and towel off. You can't get dry because you just keep <laughs> humid. <laughs> um, very different experience to, yeah, the slightly drier area of the Pilbara. Mm. Yeah. But um, again, in the dry season, May, May, June, you shouldn't have that problem too much. Yeah, cool. And on to El Cuestro, it's then the finish into Kananara. Mm. Did you do the side trip south to the Bungle Bungles? We did, yeah. Um, we stayed just two nights in there. Yep. I think it took about two hours to get off the highway into the Bungle Bungles. Yep. Um, that one was rough. <laughs> 
Um, not a low-range, rough-and-tumble four-wheel drive, um, yeah. but it was definitely a lock-the-hubs-in four-wheel drive. Okay. Um, hills, twists and turns, very scenic drive going yeah. into there. Because mm. I, I was researching a trip recently um, there, and it, just, it seems like there's just so much to do. Mm. I just thought there was you know, Echidna Chasm and Cathedral Gorge, but all throughout the Bungle Bungles, you can probably stay at each location for a couple of days and, and have the time of your life. Yeah, there's a lot of walks through there. Of course, the, the helicopter and plane tours mm. for a view from the air. Um, Echidna Chasm is definitely impressive, though. That mm. was my favourite. Yeah. And it's, yeah, obviously deep camping in there. Yeah. Um, what are the facilities like for campers? Um, at the time we went, it was fire pit... Um, so a, a central communal fire pit, which I actually quite like. It sort of forces you to come in and mingle mm-hmm. with your fellow campers. Yep. Um, firewood supplied because they don't want you scavenging the area clean um, and drop toilets at the depot site we stayed in, yeah. Yep. On the edge of a riverbed, dingoes howling at night. <laughs> Magical nice. sound. Though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. And then final stretch into Kananara. Um it actually, I think it's probably one of the most picturesque towns in WA yeah. um, on the lake there. How did you find the town and kind of the finish to the Gibb River Road? I like Kununurra for for a few reasons. Um, the town centre can get a bit feral, a lot of delinquents hanging around, um, but that's the nature of some of these places. Mm. Um, but outside of that, uh, there's some really nice, uh, there's a distillery you can go and visit. There's uh, the Ord River. There's some good river cruises on that. Um, probably worth the day trip at least to go out to Lake Argyle. That's a pretty fascinating place. Mm. Yeah. One of the biggest man-made lakes around. There's also a um, a river crossing, which is quite a scenic place to drive across. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. It's quite famous, but it's escaped my, <laughs> escaped my memory. <laughs> And I guess, um, is Wolf Creek reasonably able to get to or quite difficult to get to from from here? It's a little way off the track. I haven't been there. I watched the movie, so... (laughs) (laughs) uh, That was enough for you. It puts me off a little bit, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite a detour out to get Mm. to that. Uh, Honestly, I wouldn't mind checking it out someday. It'd be pretty cool. Mm, Because I guess that's the thing up there is that, you know... Things look like they're close, but they're not that close. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah because there's nothing else in between to give it scale. You're like, oh, yeah, there's Kananara. Oh, Wolf Creek's right next to it. Yeah. 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 You um, just want to scare some backpackers, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> You've got the look for it at the moment. I do have the look for it at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be hard to do that. Yeah. So do you have any recommendations for places to eat or drink or stay in Kananara while you're there? I don't know if the um, drive-in cinema is still open, um, but that was a good experience. Um, Might have to double-check on that one. There's also, if you're staying in the caravan park there and you can't make it to the Bungle Bungles, there's almost a mini Bungle Bungles out the back of it. It's a little Mm -hmm. 10- or 15-minute walk and gives you a bit of a taste for it. Um, But I don't think we dined in town at all we stayed in the caravan park and just cooked up there yeah. aside from doing a cruise on the Ord river yeah which was a pretty fantastic experience mm. sunset out there on the Ord, big beautiful flat water country mm. and when you got to kananara did you 
drive back or did you continue on a different route to get back to, to Perth? Yeah, so we came back down the highway through Halls Creek and Fitzroy Crossing. Yep. Um, didn't stop too much coming through there. They're, they can be pretty rough towns, Halls Creek especially. Um, if you do stop at Fitzroy Crossing, there's Geeky Gorge near there and that one's worth a visit. They've got some good river cruises along there. Uh, Fitzroy Crossing's a little bit more cleaned up than, than Halls Creek is. Mm. Yeah. So it's worth, would you say, if you were doing it to do the Gibb River and then come back on the highway and then do it sort of as a loop? Yeah, yeah, I would. I, like I said before, I think you'd be well and truly gorged out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always nice to be able to take in a bit of something different. Mm. Yeah, there are things to see along there. All right, well, I guess we'll get stuck into the logistics and, and the details now. So starting with the obvious thing, the vehicle, mm. what would be your recommendation for like a base, like this is probably the worst you could do it in and be comfortable and, and not worry about mechanical issues and, and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, well, you probably want a four-wheel drive, um, depending on how much you want to experience. If you want to go and do those those tracks out on Elquestro and... Um, there's a few other ones out there. The Munger Track, that's quite a famous uh, four-wheel drive one, very remote. Um, you want something quite well-equipped. Um, I'd maybe think about an all-wheel drive if you were just sticking to the main Gibb River Road. Um, but beyond that, I'd be going um, something like a, a Land Cruiser, um, Nissan Patrols, any of your, your newer proper four-wheel drive vehicles. Mm-hmm. And is there any reason to outfit your car with every single accessory you can buy in the book or would just like a base stock four-wheel drive be, be yeah, do the job? That's the question, isn't it? The, um, <laughs> the, mag- the magazines and advertising material will tell you you need to spend yeah. another 50 grand on it. But mm. um, I would not go up there on any factory tires. Um, so I'd go for an all-terrain tire, uh, ditch the highway construction ones. Um, I'd change mine to a light truck tire. Sounds it might sound scary to some people, but um, they they don't come in at too big of a price tag. Mm. They don't need to be big and aggressive. They just got to be tough um, mm. because you get a. We had three flats out there actually. Um, I was with my my dad. He didn't change his tires before he went. He's like, no, no, they've got another ten thousand k's in them, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, three flat tires uh, came limping into Kananara, and he had to spend a lot of money on tires. <laughs> so. Mm. That would be the number one. If I had to do one thing, that would be it. Mm. And the next thing would be the suspension, especially if you're going to tackle up to Mitchell Falls, um, spend some money on good suspension. Mm. And so safety stuff, like you mentioned stuff like having, you know, like the UHF radio. Um, I know like often people say having two spares is is a good thing. What sort of other things would you say are, are good safety things you should um i guess have and keep in mind if you're going to do this drive yeah well um if you're sticking to the main gib river road there's so many people coming along there that you're quite safe you have a breakdown someone's going to come along in half an hour um you definitely would have your first aid kit and your snake bite kit and that sort of thing with you um the mobile phone signal was non-existent when we went through but in all honesty that's probably changed by now Mm. um uh, UHF radio, you can call up emergency channel five, and there'll be st- all the stations have UHF radios, so they're quite likely to pick you up. 
if you were going a bit more off track, uh, things like the Munja track I mentioned before, um, you want some way of locating you off-grid, so a spot locator beacon, um, an EPIRB, um, or a HF radio, a satellite phone, something like that, to be able to keep you out of trouble. Mm. Um, definitely have a tyre repair kit and, and learn how to use it before you go. Um, mm. Carry a spare tyre, at least one. I only travelled with one. And I, you can get new tyres and spares out there reasonably quickly. It's just going to cost you. Yeah. Mm. And fuel along the way, um, is it worth having a long-range tank or can you get fuel pretty regularly along the route? It's quite accessible. Most of the stations uh, sell it. Um, Drysdale River Station sells it. Um, there's probably a good, on the gib, there's probably a good reliable three stops there. Otherwise, there's little pulls out to the station. They've got it at a Questro. Um, it's not cheap. So the more you can carry on you, the better, the bigger your tanks are. Yeah. Um, uh, you'd, you'd be looking north of $2.15 a litre at somewhere like Drysdale Station. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I saw a report of that in 2019. So <laughs> depending on what fuel's doing at the time, but yeah, it's not cheap. Mm. I um, suppose it's not too bad because I think Wednesday it was like $1.80 or something. So <laughs> oh, yeah, there was a massive increase, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. you've got to keep that in mind. It's all relative and it's yeah. it takes a lot to get it out there. Yeah, and it's probably not going to hurt you so bad if you're prepared for it. Just mm. know it's going to cost that much. Yeah. Get an idea of how much you're going to use and be prepared to, to fill up at that cost. Yeah. We had a, a bit of that experience at Mount Augustus. They're the only petrol station for hundreds of kilometres. You go, yeah, yeah that's fine, whatever. <laughs> yep, I got that one yeah. too. Yeah. Like, I've got a four centilitre discount. Is that valid? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so in terms of driving up, um, did you drive straight up to Broome or did you stop along the way? Because it's obviously a very, very long way just to access the start of the trail. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, I think we spent a week getting ourselves up there. Um, which included a couple of nights in at Karajini. Um, there's a camp on the Grey River around near Port Hedland. And then I think it was to Broome from there. Mm. Yeah, so if you want to drive straight up there um, and you're not a complete maniac who's willing to do 1,500 kilometres in a day, yeah. um, I'd give myself three nights to get up there. That's, that's pretty comfortable if you don't want to particularly see or explore anything else. Mm. Yeah, because I was looking today, and there are options where you can hire a car in Broome, and I think drop it off in Darwin, and I think mm. you can drop it off in Kununurra. But if you don't want to drive all the way up there, you and don't have the four wheel drive, there are options, but I think they're very, very expensive. I think it was like seven grand. Well, I think it's three hundred fifty dollars a day. So I was mm. looking at maybe just over two weeks, but it was yeah, yeah. not cheap. <laughs> yeah, but um. It, if you're not much into four-wheel drives and you just want it for this occasion and you've maybe got limited time, it could be the perfect option for someone. Mm. Mm. When you think about it, I've had people um, explain it this way to me who have driven Cape York. They've driven the car over there, done Cape York, then put their vehicle on a truck, flown back home, gone to work and waited for their vehicle to come back home mm. because yeah. they can earn more money at work. That, so they can earn more money than they would pay to have the vehicle trucked back, you know? yeah. yeah two weeks to drive back or two weeks at work and pay half of that to get the vehicle sent mm. back. So yeah. options like that can work out depending on your situation. Mm. I guess if you think about it compared to, say, some of the luxury 
hiking tours, which can be super expensive. Yeah. That that's not too bad for a car hire for that amount of time. Yeah, and it's fairly cheap to fly up to Broome and Darwin these days. It's yeah, a few hundred dollars. Broome in particular now is really quite yeah. cheap. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably what I'll do because I wouldn't take my X Trail up there. I don't no, think it would survive. <laughs> no. Yeah, a bit rugged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll stick to the tracks around dwelling up with that thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, any particular places that stand out for you as like must visits along the way? Uh, it's definitely going to be uh, Winjana Gorge and Tunnel Creek for me. Um, Bell Gorge was a good one there. And then El Questro, if you can, if your budget can stretch to, to staying in there, yeah. those would be the absolute must do's. Yeah. Now you're also a very experienced four wheel driver, uh, and do a lot of trips like, the, like, I guess road trips. Mm. How, I guess, you know, this is often seen as like one of the great ones in Australia. Do you think that that holds up? Um, it depends what you're in for. Um, if someone's in it for the thrill of driving, um, you're going to be disappointed doing the Gibb River Road. It's, mm. it's just a road. Mm. Um, but for the sites, there is so much crammed in this this one stretch that, yeah, I, I reckon that lives up to its name. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why, but I always thought this was more of a technical four-wheel drive track as like a, you need this rugged four-wheel drive and it's going to be slow going like 30, 40 k's an hour. So it's a bit interesting to hear it's just corrugated stock route. Yeah, it's it's just rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was the same way before I went up there. I was prepared for a lot more. Um, aside from the three blown tires, the only other damage was some spotlights fell off my old man's car mm. and uh, I came out unscathed i think the screws two screws rattled loose from the bottom of my gas stove (laughs) (laughs) it was the worst for me but you know it's all it takes is for you to get unlucky and something Mm. made you to go wrong so it's always best to be prepared another thing i'd have to say actually is to take lots of water with you Mm. there's plenty of points that you can fill up but never be out there without water yeah, mm. that's a good point as well, especially yeah, if you're on the, the edge of the, the dry season where it can get quite hot. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, better be safe than sorry. Yeah. I'll tell you another place that uh, we didn't mention that would be quite nice uh, for the nature and wildlife lover is the Mornington Wildlife Sanctuary. Okay. Uh, run by the Australian Wildlife Conservancy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, kayaking. Um, they've got endangered birds in there like the Gouldian finch. Um, they do a lot of different tours. Um indigenous history tours and uh, hiking tours, kayaking tours. Uh, you keep yourself entertained in there for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I should probably um, mention a bit more about that, but in terms of indigenous history and culture and the rock art, um, how much do you have access to along the trail and is there kind of any tours or groups that run through there that can teach you a little bit more? Um, I didn't see much rock art along the main trail and i suspect that's probably because they keep that stuff reasonably quiet Mm. because it's a very high traffic area Mm. Um, there are a lot of the indigenous communities that run tours of all sorts out there whether it's um, jumping on a tour bus and they take you around to some sites um, or four-wheel drive uh, tag along tours so if you're one of these people that really likes a rough and tumble four-wheel drive adventure Um, they'll lead you through all of the country you're not allowed access to and show you all the secret spots. And mm. um, If you wanted to jump on one of them, there's actually a bloke here in Perth called um, 
Jed Curry, his name is. Um, and now I've gone blank on the name of his <laughs> tour company. Jed leads a lot of these four-wheel drive tours all over the state, and he's teed up with these um, landowners at Umbulgari Settlement, I believe it is. And so he runs a tour in conjunction with them that takes you out to all these the special sites that no one gets to see. Mm. But there is there's so much art and indigenous culture all through that area. Um, it was a very very fertile and abundant area for them. Mm. I guess the other thing that um, I guess for a lot a lot of people who listen to the podcast, they might be interested in the hiking. So it's mostly day hiking. Yes. But do you think that there's the opportunity there for like there's you know, the size of the area is, is probably bigger than Tasmania. Mm. Um, do you think that there is sort of the potential for a multi-day hike through that kind of landscape? I think there is. Um, the, the only thing I would not be too sure about is what Depaw's recommendations are. And, mm. of course, being wary of the boundaries of these Aboriginal lands, which are mostly um, not to enter up. But I think you could plan something with a bit of attention to detail, mm. careful looking at um, at borders. I, th- I think you could make something out of that. Mm. So I know that there are people who do sort of guided, um, sort of ad hoc tours through there, but there's no official, you know, multi-day trails through there. Yeah. But it would be great if there was something through that area. Yeah, it would really lend itself well to it. It's a very getting in touch with nature experience. It's... Um, there's a p- peculiar feeling about those those lands out there. You really feel connected when you when you're out there for a while. Mm. Yeah, I think if I was to do one of those, like I wouldn't treat it like a cape to cape where I just have my backpack and I go walking and go to all the places. I'd want to kind of be with someone who is from there and knows the land and can mm. like show you how to survive and, mm. and stories about the land. I think that would add quite a lot. So mm-hmm. I hope something like that happens in the in the future. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's so different up there to anywhere, like even just from us down here in Perth, mm-hmm. go up there and we don't know what this rock is and what that plant is and mm-hmm. the meaning and significance of everything. Mm-hmm. So you just learn so much more that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, thanks, Alex, for coming in. It's been fantastic to have your insight into the Gibber River Road and, and everything up there. Absolutely, guys been a pleasure talking about it yeah <laughs> yeah awesome um we can highly recommend following intense off-road um you guys do a great job with your videos make yeah. sure you want to go out and bash some power <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and you and you guys have you know you've got great four-wheel drive just like technical information and and educational stuff but then you've got also like you know great trip reports and mm. you've got stuff like um, Jake's Bibbleman track and Mundabitty videos. So yeah. know, even hikers can get, gain a lot of information from your website. That's right. Even if you're not into four-wheel driving, we uh, we try not to baffle everyone with all the technical uh, mumbo-jumbo. Mm. Um, it's more about traveling through the land for us and experiencing areas and telling history and mm. whether it's um, from first settlers or indigenous culture and, yeah, it's all about just exploring. Mm. And plenty of uh, camp cooking techniques as well. <laughs> yeah, a bit of that. Both uh, masterpieces and failures. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Real Trail Talk, then please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. Ratings really help us to reach an audience, especially those who are looking to learn about the outdoors in Western Australia 
and Australia in general. If you had any questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or contact us through our social media channels. Thanks again, and stay tuned for our next episode.